on another episode of Hero Paranormal Podcast. That's right. My name is Ryan, the original outlaw of the airwaves, bringing you another VIP episode from Sin City, the Silver State, from the base of La Madre Mountain, just south of Area 51. And uh, we appreciate your loyalty. Our multi-purpose podcast is produced with love, and that's just basically... Information, love of information, love of opening minds, and at least considering ideas that other people just don't. And when it comes to this sort of thing, Darcy Weir wrote the book on this, or better said, he wrote the movie because he has created some of the best, in my opinion, documentaries that stick to the facts and don't embellish, in my opinion, what is a naturally occurring phenomenon of high strangeness. And, uh, well, I'm sure he's not going to disappoint at all this time because it, it looks absolutely phenomenal and amazing. At least the trailer does. The trailer to his new documentary is remarkable. It's on YouTube. And, and, and uh, yeah, you got to check out the trailer. It's amazing. Also, check out The Olympic Project which is a research and evidence-gathering project by David Ellis with connection to the BFRO. Great group of individuals. Matt Moneymaker is a great guy. Check out all of the resources that are available. If this is something you're getting into, do it the right way. Don't do it the wrong way. And go to reliable, credible sources to begin with. And uh, there's a lot of them out there. I'm not trying to discriminate against other ones, but I'm just, you know, from the cuff, shooting from the hip, naming names. Darcy Weir has nailed it again as far as my consideration in getting people that have very good intentions to the field, the research, the science, the evidence gathering. Uh, People like Jeffrey Meldrum. The list goes on and on. There's just so many. Without further ado, let's, let's get to it because it's amazing. Very cool trailer. I will post it on the Hero Paranormal podcast social media Facebook page. And I'll uh, also post this podcast on the HeroParanormal.com archive. So yeah, definitely check this out. It's going to be available on Amazon. We're going to get Darcy here on the line in just a couple minutes. Um, But it's something you definitely have to check out. And if you haven't checked out HeroParanormal.com, check it out. Subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to Podbean, Patreon, or whatever method you prefer. And uh, we got a lot of free content, so if you don't want to subscribe, I get it. It's just hard for me to continue without a little bit of subscription. So um, maybe it's just my ego. No, it's really not. It's <laughs> it's expensive, and and I uh, I'll probably do it whether I have zero listeners or a million. So um, do what you need to do go with the flow. And uh, Darcy Weir is coming here in just a second. I'm going to dial him up on Skype. 
be patient with me while we ring him. Sometimes Skype is uh, really loud, so I like to mute that. It can be annoying. And it sometimes just cuts out for no reason. So, oh wait, I think we got him. With no further ado, Darcy Weir, welcome to the Hero Paranormal Podcast. Good, bud. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I'm super excited about this new trailer uh, that was on YouTube. This looks amazing, man. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoy the film when it's uh, out on Tuesday. It's it's so cool to be able to talk about it kind of beforehand because, you know, you got all the right players in here and uh, listening to Meldrum at the beginning, I think he kind of hits it on the head where, you know, a lot of this information is being lost, you know, literally through our fingertips because of cultural differences and different names for the animal, things of that nature. Um, without going into too much because the film's not out yet, what what kind of motivated you, motivated you, Darcy, this time to kind of attack the big furry guy again and go into one of my favorite topics, which is Bigfoot? Cool. Um, yeah, one of my favorite, too. Um, well, I believe it or not, uh, you know, you've seen the first cut of The Unwanted Sasquatch, right? Mm-hmm. My first documentary. Amazing. Yep. Okay. Um, so that that film, when I was shooting the interview with Jeff Meldrum back in, I believe it was 2016, but I started filming it in 2015 with Bill Miller and uh, Thomas Steenberg in, in Harrison Hot Springs, northern British Columbia of Canada. Um, I basically traveled out to Jeff Meldrum's lab in, at Idaho State University, and he was gracious enough to start enlightening me on, you know, the facts, all of the history surrounding Sasquatch and, or Bigfoot, in, other, in the American terminology. Um, and I was in his lab, and I was looking around, we were chatting, and I picked up this pamphlet, and it said on it, uh, wild men, uh, relic hominids from around the world. And I, I, I started, you know, moving my way through it and I said, oh, what's this? And he said, oh, yeah, um, I just printed off a couple of those. I something I'm working on right now. I think I'm going to uh, get them out there in distribution, like, on scale soon. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty much a analysis of a whole bunch of, you know, cryptid wild men that have appeared throughout history internationally. And, uh, you know, we've got the dev, and the dev can be found in um, Iraq, Syria, like the mountainous areas out in the Middle East, all the way to Eastern Europe. We've got... uh, the Yeren in China, the Yeti everybody recognizes, which is in the Himalayas, but um, also the Yeti, the Russians refer to their wild man, the one that more so resembles Bigfoot as a Yeti. Um, but then the Russians also have the Almasty. There's more than one. There's something that looks quite similar to... Uh, a Neanderthal, uh, a, sh- a short, stockier version of uh, 
a human, but more heavily clad with hair from head to toe than uh, your average human. And a little bit, you know, stronger looking, a little bit more ape-like looking in the face. So he said, you can have that. You can keep that. And I said, all right, yeah, this looks really interesting. Um, I'm going to read it on the flight home. So I was reading it, and I, I put sort of in the back of my mind, this is a cool story. This is what needs to be told. Um, this is kind of the natural progression of the theory to talk about relatives to Bigfoot or Sasquatch and, and further um, put it out there that, look, Sasquatch is not alone and it's possibly a cryptid or hominid, relic hominid that lives in deep wilderness in, in our forests here in North America. Uh, and there's other relic hominids that are related to it, by all accounts, uh, in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like the term relic hominid because this is a story, and like all of your documentaries, they're all true, you only stick to the facts, and I, I think that's my favorite thing about them, Darcy, and this is like thousands of years throughout the world, many cultures, and it's the same idea, and, and they're different sizes, they're different colors, but there's a lot of a, uh, there, there seems to be a trap that we get caught into because it's not quite human, and and so it, it's just discouraged to even talk about. That's right. Um, you know, if, if we were to go off of reports of commonly uh, shared reports, data that we've received over the years in North America from multiple sightings, you know, hundreds, uh, people claim to see them at night. And uh, they claim to see them sometimes, more often than not, in their headlights crossing the road on like a, a logging road or a forest road, something like that. And when people say that they see them, they recognize that the headlights are shining in their eyes. Uh, so, in other words, they have eye shine. And um, as far as I know, there is no such thing as eye shine in the human capability, right? We don't have uh, nocturnal eyes. We, we haven't adapted that way. So... That leads me to believe that these are definitely not a human, so to speak. They are something else. Um, they are just another hominid. And we are a hominid. You know, we are um, very ape-like. We are very instinctual still, right? We act upon our urge to eat, procreate, sleep, find shelter, you know, and, and there's not much has changed for us since we became officially Homo sapiens thousands of years ago. Um, that's why we're still trying to kill each other uh, and warring like normal apes do. If you look at like a chimpanzee, their tribe can't be any bigger than, I think it's 50, otherwise they'll break off 
and they'll become two different tribes and fight with each other. And uh, the theory with Sasquatch is that they're... There's many of them out there, uh, not as many as uh, us. They live more of a solitary, uh, smaller tribe-type life in deep wilderness. And, um, you know, if we look at the, the Yaren, Tales of the Yaren in China, um, we actually show the expose of um, many Chinese men that, not only have had Yaren encounters themselves in the, in the new documentary, but we also um, listen to, you know, their, their accounts of how the Yaren relates to Sasquatch. Um, and Jeff Meldrum did a, a really cool study uh, at the Idaho State University, and you, you'll see it in the documentary where he compares the findings of the Yaren and the trace evidence of, that's left behind um, after those sightings to what we have as trace evidence here in North America when the Bigfoot or Sasquatch has been seen. And it's remarkably very, very similar. They have pretty much the same uh, feet in terms of foot pathology. They have... Uh, similar dimensions in, in what's described as their the size of their feet, their body um, anatomy seems to be the same from accounts, you know, very tall, covered in reddish brown, sometimes dark brown uh, fur from head to toe, um, and they seem to be more so nocturnal because these gentlemen, if you look at the trailer, they had... Um, an encounter on a highway in China um, while they were passing a national forest, and uh, they nearly hit a Yaren on that road. So they got out of the car, threw rocks at it, and, you know, exactly what you'd want to do to some unique find in the world. But, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it's just... it's. Remarkable when, when you see the association between all these different accounts that have happened around the world. Yeah, and as is so often the case, that's that's what happens. You know, there's so many times that, you know, people try to shoot at it or it's just fear kicks in, I guess, fight or flight. And something so interesting about this documentary, although I haven't seen it yet, as usual, you have kind of blown me away by incorporating the whole Chinese uh, Yaren, and I started to like research that, Darcy. And I mean, the Yaren translated directly actually means wild man. So you nailed it. And the interesting thing is, I mean, this is like the oldest documented culture that has dealt with this mysterious creature, and it predates all stories of Yeti and Bigfoot. So mad props again. The interesting thing is that they have almost. Uh, identical in, in the research I've done anyway, like how the Yaren reacts as far as like the Bigfoot reacting. And, and I just thought that was a real, a real win there. So good job on that. Hey, thank you, Ben. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly what you were saying with the Yaren being translating as a, a wild man, 
um, in in the Chinese culture, their language. Um, they've had you know thousand thousands of years of documentation talking about this wild man. In fact, you know um, they've been documenting their history for a lot longer than uh, what North Americans may give credit to. You know, people may not know, but there's oral tradition, kind of like our indigenous people, but there's also scrolls and, and manuscripts dating back thousands of years in China, and they talk about the wild man. So um, if we are to liken that to something we have in North America in terms of um, a history of encounters, we can look at the Bigfoot or the Sasquatch, and we can um, speak to the elder tribes in the indigenous peoples of the United States and Canada, you know, across North America, and they will say themselves that these things have been around since the dawn of time. Um, they go by different names. All the, the, the native tribes across North America uh, have different names. You know, a few I could mention, obviously, is Sasquatch. It comes from Canada. It was Sasquatch uh, in the Stahelis, uh tribe. And then we have the Zunaqua, and we have um, the um, Skookum, you know, which are two other names. But the names, you know, is longer than the list of um, names that, are out there internationally for wild men. Um, like I said, in Russia, they have a couple names for their different types of wild men. And um, I, I think it's quite possible. I mean, if you look at the theory of ne- Neanderthal, for example, right, we know that they died off and that they were a unique uh, subspecies of hominids that existed when Homo sapiens were first starting out taking over the, uh, the planet, really. And if you think about the story of uh, Neanderthals, people say that they may have genetically mingled with us, right? I have red hair, and they say that's a genetic trait of Neanderthals. Red hair is, mm-hmm. can be tracked back to that gene. And, unfortunately, they did another study with COVID-19 recently, and they, tra- they say that folks that have the Neanderthal gene in their blood are more likely to have more severe effects um, to have a higher reaction to COVID-19, worse symptoms, uh, which sucks. But, anyways, um, Neanderthals officially may have mingled, and um, or they did. We can genetically prove that. But their species died off. That's what we think. And the Almasty may be a relic Neanderthal that has not died off, that was decided to live in deeper Russian um, wilderness, in order to stay further away from us, because we are violent, highly intelligent creatures. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, by what you said earlier, when we listen to the accounts of how the Yaren reacts or how the Bigfoot or Sasquatch reacts when we come across them, it's very rare that we hear about them, you know, getting aggressive and, uh, I don't know, coming towards us. And and uh, th- although there are accounts of that, I have heard of that, it's, it's rarer. I hear more often that they're just as shocked by our presence as we are by theirs. And they want to go one way and we want to go the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I think if there are relic hominids still in existence that are associated with things that are in the fossil record that have been said to exist, like Australopithecus or Gigantopithecus, um, Neanderthal, you know, these are all things that we, we know did exist. There's a possibility that some of them or their relatives are still alive today in deep wilderness. Yeah, and that's that's so amazing because there are different branches and different, you know, like you said that they these these can go different ways. We don't know exactly what they and they may have gone different ways these different creatures, but they may be part of the same uh general group. An interesting thing I wanted to chat about is you know, eerie sounds in the distance. And I know that this is something that is usually ignored. Uh, Most hunters that I've talked about or talked to have done that, you know, they'll tell you stories, but they usually try to ignore these things. And um, it's usually because of range. The range is dramatically larger than, you know, what other animals quote unquote would do. And a lot of people have heard these howls initially from the distance and they appear to be super loud in the trailer, you have a testimony from someone who was like ground zero to one of these. I, I realize you may not be able to go into it, but a gentleman that I can't remember, it was like 30 yards or 30 feet away. I thought that was so fascinating. Yeah, so um, one of the things we delve into in, in the documentary is vocalizations. And we covered vocalizations before in... My previous documentary, um, The Unwanted Sasquatch. In this documentary, we cover um, some of the research that David Ellis has done over the years. And this is a really impressive collection of sounds that he has not only recorded firsthand from encounters or um, expeditions that they have taken, um, him and other researchers, But uh, he also has this collection built on other people's recordings they've taken from across North America, and they've submitted to him to have analyzed. Um, And, yeah, we, we really, we show how he analyzes those vocalizations and how we can rule out that those vocalizations come from something uh, such as, uh, I don't know, a raccoon, a coyote, uh, a wolf, elk, that type of thing. So um, that's a really cool part of the documentary, and uh, I think it it helps people understand that it's not just a bunch of lunatic uh, fringe theory people that are 
pursuing this subject. You know, you got people like Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, who's a um, state university professor of anthropology and knows wildlife. Um, he's, he's a biologist and, and knows like all kinds of things to help him uh, make a very informed decision about what he's looking at or what he's experiencing or what other people have. And then you have David Ellis, who's quite trained in how to analyze spectrograms of audio or uh, vocalizations and then how he rules out what it is or what it isn't and the tactics of comparison. So I think it's just a good thing to shed light on. Um, other interviewers have asked me, you know, what do you think of shows like Finding Bigfoot and Monster Hunter Quest or whatever, uh, those reality TV shows, and I, I think they're interesting. They have their own place in the world, but they tend to not focus on the more credible parts of this uh, phenomena, of this these creatures, and they don't really do it a serious justice. They kind of make fun of or make light of um, the people that are investigating or researching this stuff. Um, and, and yeah, um, that's, that's pretty much where David Ellis comes into uh, the documentary. And I'm glad that you mentioned David Ellis and uh, Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, because I, I remembered uh, Mr. Meldrum saying that it's irresponsible is what I believe he would call the um, behavior of some. But it's, it's, it, I think it's important to note that, um, you know, a lot of what Meldrum does is he also shows the hallmarks of hoaxes with mid-tarsal breaks. Like you said, he knows a lot and he's not after controversy or speculation. He's after science. And I think he brings, you know, hard science to it, as does David. So that, that's so cool that you brought them both into it. And the, from the, at least from the initial trailer, it looks to me like we probably have like one of the best, if not the best documentary to date coming out. Um, can you give us any teasers of neat things that are going to be in included? Yeah. Um, so we not only go around the world and compare accounts and tales of international uh, sightings and uh, creatures that have been said, said to exist, but we also um, interview... Jeffrey Meldrum again, um, we get his full and uh, devoted attention on the subject. You know, he compares foot casts that he has from the different creatures, uh, from different famous sightings that have happened internationally. And we talk about uh, just the way the world was in, in, in ancient times, you know, before... Homo sapiens, like I said before, really took over the planet. We had um, things such as the Bering Strait, the Bering 
ice bridge, or some people call it the Bering uh, Land Bridge, that connected our continent, North America, with um, that of Asia and Russia and, and that whole area. And we talk about how there was a migration of different types of species between the two. Um, we also talk about uh, some recent findings in North America that are quite remarkable, quite interesting from a group called the Olympic Project that kind of do their research across Washington State, Oregon, and Northern California. Um, these are all hotspot states for sightings, even still today. And uh, these gentlemen found what seems to be nests, nesting sites, or uh, a community, so to speak, of supposed Bigfoot that may have existed in the Olympic Park uh, National Forest in Washington State. So we then compare that also with nests that have been found internationally, you know, and uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, where there's smoke, there must be fire. If, if there's that much smoke, there must be something to this. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, we cover that there is hoaxes. There are people out there that are not doing justice to what should be considered a serious topic, I think. And uh, you get that in every phenomenon and every um, fringe theory out there, or mainstream theory for that matter. You get people that will raise their hand and say, I have something to say. This is what happened in my experience. And most of the time, it's just people that are attention seekers. You know, they're not really there for the betterment of the study. Uh, so we go into that a bit, too, in the documentary. And uh, I, we did that as well in the under, unwanted Sasquatch. Um, I don't know if you remember, we, we covered some, some interesting theories, kind of fringe theories in terms of the Bigfoot or Sasquatch question in North America. And um, that documentary, I'll just add, we're going to be releasing uh, as a director's cut with, you know, around 15 minutes of extra interviews and new content uh, next January. So... You know, we've got uh, this documentary in November, and then pretty much after a month, we've got another uh, new and improved version of the original that you might have seen. So if people want to check out both, um, I think they'll get a lot out of this continuity of content that we've put together. Yeah, and for those that haven't seen it, I would say that, that uh, the, the Unwanted is a must-see. It's, it's the best I've seen since... Uh better really than when legend meets science, you know, and just because it does not embellish. In in addition, I'm really glad that you brought up the Olympic project because we kind of uh, brushed over David Ellis and, you know, the track casting analysis and the field audio recording analysis. And he's tracking. I mean, what's so amazing, if, if people haven't checked out the Olympic project, you have to because it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. And it's real field investigation that's that's gravitating towards collecting evidence and show, I mean, literally, possibly showing where they're going to be ahead of the time they're there, which is mind blowing. I mean, this is, 
you know, the technology involved is getting to a point where, you know, it is a lot like, uh, not to go down that path, but like Matt Moneymaker said that we have more to learn from them than they do from us. Yeah, of course. And I'm, I'm a fan of Matt Moneymaker. You know, I, I think he's done a lot for this study. Um, I think the uh, Bigfoot Field Research Organization, BFRO, is incredibly important. And the uh, Olympic Project is part of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just its own branch that's doing some new things and trying to find some new details in regards to this study, um, going about it a different way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely check out the Olympic Project. Check out what's going on in the BFRO if you're not versed in this at all. Check out some books that have been written. You know, there's um, Sasquatch were uh, Myth Meets Science. I think that's Jeffrey, Dr. Meldrum's um, book. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to check meets. Yeah, I think that's right. When legend meets science, I think. It's legend meets science. So, yeah, check out the mm-hmm. book uh, Sasquatch, where uh, just legend meets science. I think it's a fascinating, really well done book. Nothing super over sensational in that. You've got books by Grover Kranz. You've got books by... Um, you know, now past um, wildlife biologist, uh, John Bindernag- Dr. John Bindernagel, who is a Canadian as well. Um, he, you know, when you see somebody like a wildlife biologist making a book about this very credibly and trying to say, we have an upright ape possibly living um, in our midst, on the North American continent, if a wildlife biologist is saying this, you got to kind of take that seriously because he he knows what's out there in our forests um, and he's heard most of the vocalizations, he's seen scat, he's seen tracks, he knows what is a bear, what's not, you know, and here he is writing a book about something that, Mainstream science says does not exist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, check it. Yeah, it's very cool. And I also wanted to not brush over the fact that if nobody's actually checked out the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, that's kind of where I dipped my toe into this and was proven that it was real. I signed an NDA, so I can't go into it. But it's amazing that the the impact on the land that these creatures have is so subtle that it takes a really trained eye to even notice it. And the BFRO has been around the longest. So if you want to have a trained eye, they're a really good place to go. Um, thank you so much, Darcy. I can't wait to watch it. And can you tell our listeners where we can pre-order it or just kind of get it in general? Yeah, sure. I can send you a link to the Amazon... Um DVD site. If, you, if, if people want to have a physical copy, of course, they can, they can order it. Um, but otherwise, it will be uh, live on Tuesday on Dish Network, um, In Demand, a uh, whole bunch of Cox, Verizon, Fios, all kinds of cable 
um, television and uh, in-demand, sort of on-demand services across North America. It'll also be on Amazon, iTunes, um, and many other streaming services from the get-go. If if that's you know Google Play, if, if, if these are places where you'd like to consume your data instead of um, through your typical TV platform. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing people's feedback. Um, you know, I'm a very inclusive documentary maker. I want to want to hear from all types of people on the subject. So if you ever have some information or encounters you've had yourself, you know, you can reach me on uh, Facebook. I go by the same name, Darcy Weir, um, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. Yeah. Hope everybody stays, uh, stays safe, healthy, and, uh, and we have a good 2021 coming. Amen, man. And thanks so much for all of your dedication to this subject matter. And uh, can't wait. We'll talk soon. And stay safe yourself. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on the show, man. And uh, happy to come back sometime with some of the future documentaries that are coming out. Take care, man. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Wow, man. Darcy Weir, ladies and gentlemen, pretty much the coolest, coolest guy out there and doing the most justice to the science and the reality that there may be something eerie in the woods, usually at night. So don't let that freak you out. Get out there. Enjoy the woods. It's the best time to go out, in my opinion. Leaves are changing. And uh, honestly, the cities just aren't that appealing anymore. I've been uh, updating a bunch of stuff in my life, including the uh, realization that I want to be outdoors more than I want to be indoors. So that's hard to do, especially when you're doing a podcast. So I will continue to try to make both happen and and raise a family in addition to that. It's all good times. And uh, if you haven't been outdoors, get out there. Get out there. Not where there's a bunch of other people, but get out there where there's not a bunch of other people. And... Uh, Maybe if you're in those areas, you just might see a wild man or something along those lines. We may have more to learn from them than they have to learn from us. Until next time, guys, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around. Blast off in my time machine Third eye feeling like an evisine Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off Come blast off in my time machine Third eye feeling like an evisine Blast off